All right, folks, welcome back to yet another Out of the Rough Golf podcast. Today, we are giving y'all one of our tried and true major previews. This week, we got the U.S. Open at the Los Angeles Country Club on the North Course. Um, it is the first time I believe they have had the U.S. Open, if not a major in general, or it's been a long time. Am I correct about that? I think they've had a Walker Cup. I think that's the extent of it. Yeah. So the first time it's been a major venue and uh by all uh all all metrics I can see it should be uh, a great venue for uh the US Open. Um a little bit a little bit different than uh prior US Open venues as of lately, except for maybe last year at the country club. Um that was kind of similar, not 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 like super similar, uh redesigned by the same same guy. Um, so there, there is a little bit of correlation there to be drawn, but, um, I'm a fan of the course, at least from what I've seen, which is every single hole on different videos, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you don't really know it that well until you, you see, uh, see it on TV or see it in person. So, uh, yeah. What do you, what are y'all's, uh, first, first, uh, thoughts? Yeah, I think obviously, Gil Hands and the team and Jeff Shackelford and everybody at LACC did a wonderful job restoring it back to kind of George Thomas's original kind of expectation for it. I think the bunkering work that they started with and then the barrancas that they put into place, I think it really became a far more compelling and interesting golf course that certainly photographs a lot better and it should make for a very cool TV product. I mean, I feel like if you reverse back five, six years ago, it looks like your standard just run-of-the-mill country club outside of a major metropolitan area. So I think it's going to make for a pretty sweet U.S. Open test. And uh, you have super long par threes. You've got really, really, really short par threes. You've got some drivable fours. you got some cool par fives. Like, I think it's going to be, to me, probably, uh, it's going to make for probably the best test of the majors this year, if I had to if I had to guess. Like, I... I like Hoy Lake. I, I think it'll be good, especially with how baked out it looks for the Open Championship. But I think as far as interesting golf courses, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give LACC the uh, the edge this year. Yeah, I mean so we'll it, see, but we'll see by the end of the week. But uh, as far as a U.S. Open venue, which I was alluding to a, a second ago or a little earlier, um, you know, it's not your typical setup. It's not like super deep rough. There is rough uh, the fairways are wide but don't play as wide as they actually are because of you know undulation in the fairways and stuff like that um different slopes and whatnot so i don't think they're going to play necessarily as wide as they look but uh it's not your traditional narrow fairways thick rough you know tory pines-esque from 21 yeah Yeah, i i think my twitter feed has still has plenty of you can't even see the ball in this rough content like that still exists that's kind of a u.s open uh annual celebration now but i think this course looks like it's going to ask a lot of interesting questions like can you hit your tee shot in the right spot can you work the ball both ways can you make up and down from some gnarly thick rough around the greens like i think this is going to be a fun version of a really hard test um I don't think it's hard for the sake of hard, but I think they're going to be able to ask interesting questions of the golfers, which I'm excited for. It should make for more thought provoking shots and more interesting shots into greens. than we've seen from a lot of 
U.S. Opens, I feel like. I think it's going to be more interesting than Brookline. I think it's going to be way more interesting than Pebble. I think if the sun stays out and it stays firm, um, it could be a really cool test, even despite having wide fairways, just because the greens are pretty well protected. And if you miss Q even just a little bit and you get in that long stuff around the, the greens or surrounding the bunkers, like you could get really boned. Yeah, yeah for and it sure. doesn't look like the fairways are easy to hit just because they're wide. Like, I think you can still be in a bad position in the fairway um, where you have a blind approach or a really tough shot because of the protection around the green, like you said. So, yeah, absolutely. Be interesting too. That firmness extends itself to the fairways for the most part. Even if you land in the center of the fairway, could easily careen down from some of these kind of pitched fairways left and right and right and the left that it just kind of feeds down to these kind of collection areas which i honestly don't love too much that like two shots that could possibly have landed or carried 20 yards apart end up in relative the same position i like to see a little bit more dif differentiation in terms of result but i do appreciate that like it may look like a straight hole but it actually is asking you to play a certain shot shape to hold the slope of the fairway from how it's cambering so i i, I like that kind of nuance to a lot of these holes yeah and you're right it, it does have the risk of like a good shot and a great shot end up with the same result, maybe at least on the, the drives. But um, I don't know. Do, have we looked at the weather? Is there rain in the forecast or do they think it's going to be firm and fast? I, I haven't, but it's LA. I know that's been a wetter year so far, but like typically they don't get a shit ton of rain. Right. Yeah. We'll take a look right now. It'd be interesting. It is looking pretty, pretty. Oh, sorry. Wrong place. <laughs> Austin is going to be dry. I would imagine in LA it should be fine. It's generally sunny in LA, but I guess we'll yes, see. Sure. It's pretty much, it's 5% essentially every day of oh. the tournament. And winds are mild, which you'd want to see them buck a little bit for the, the championship. But yeah, low to mid 70s highs um and then high of or low 60s for the lows so it's pretty much perfect golf weather <laughs> right on i love that la seems like it, it should have perfect weather that's kind of their claim to fame i mean that being said though if you have consistent weather that you can rely on that gives a lot of room for the usga to kind of turn up the course without knowing that the the sun might peak out or the wind might pick up and it like bucks and it makes it like unplayable to a degree i think they have the ability to completely control this golf course now. They don't have to worry about the weather throwing a wrench into it. Yeah, and I like that that doesn't bring it. We've had a lot of, um, like, did you catch the good draw in majors, it feels like. Like, if you end up in the early late or the late early, like, that really dictates what you have to do to make a run. So it would be nice if that wasn't a major factor for once. Yeah, especially for venues this year that have felt like they usually don't have that issue. Like you don't really think of Augusta having like a draw, but with like how the weather has been and it's definitely been quite quite kind of separating just based I mean, on conditions the, alone. The year uh, Hideki won, he went out and went crazy after the rain delay. So that was kind of like that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people had that opportunity, though, that were like in that kind of contention area. So I mean, he just took advantage given just... Yeah, for but, sure. Well, my immediate thought was like JT missing the cut at Augusta this year because of his draw of like coming in the next morning in a monsoon and basically going bogey, bogey, bogey to go home. 
Um, some of that type of stuff was what came to my mind. Yeah, I mean, definitely tough break there. But I think, uh, yeah, we should expect kind of steady, you know, consistent weather, and it just lets the golf course get turned up by the USGA, and the everyone generally get right about the same draw at the end of the the week. So you know, it should be fair, but hopefully a very brutal test. Do y'all want to do a couple minutes on the open as a tournament and kind of what y'all expect and what you guys like and dislike about the open as a whole? Do you have a, a take on that? It just doesn't feel necessary if it's not for another month or two, you know, like the open. Sorry. Really, the like U.S. That. Open, you, <laughs> this tournament. Um, sure. Uh, I. I would say it, you know, it it's definitely not the my least favorite major. Um, I I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, I've I've enjoyed, uh, well, this one hasn't happened, but I have a feeling that I'll enjoy this one and last year's at at these kind of different venues where they haven't just kind of turned it up like a Wingfoot or, you know, Shinnecock or Tory Pines, but no, I actually really enjoyed Shinnecock. Like I like the, the best U S open we've had in like 10 plus years. <laughs> yeah. Just total carnage. <laughs> I don't know if y'all listen to any of the pressers that have happened, but Brooks was talking about Shinnecock and his presser. And he was saying how, you know, he, it was along the lines of like how, why he excels in majors. Someone asked a question like that. And he brought up Shinnecock as an example, pretty much saying like, yeah, everyone was, you know, consumed in the chaos of what was going on. He's like, I feel like I can kind of thrive in those situations where there's a lot of chaos. And he's like, I just thought about the golf. He's like, yeah, the greens were crazy. He's like, but, you know, just leave yourself below the hole and it's going to be a little bit easier. He's like, I feel like I did that. I did that well. And other people were just too worried about it. I mean, he's just the prime example of somebody who plays <coughs> both conservative golf but aggressive at the right time it's like he you never catch brooks making a mistake on his approaches in the greens like he's playing to the fat sides of greens he's a phenomenal lag putter and if he happens to just barely pull it to a left pin then like he's got in there close and he might make a birdie just by accident like he's so disciplined and he's so steady i mean it feels like the masters was kind of like a fluke this year for how much he was able to give it back to rom and you know, it's hard to argue that he won't be in the mix this week too, just because of that sort of discipline of putting yourself below the hole, hitting it to the fat sides of greens, don't bring in the big numbers into play. And that's especially important at a U.S. Open. He was uh, being pretty lax as far as like prep for this course goes. I don't know if that's typical of him. He kind of alluded like, oh, it's, you know, just like a normal major week for me. But he was asked like a question like, uh, doesn't essentially like it doesn't seem like you know you know you guys have had a lot you're like this is your first time seeing the course you do you generally just play both the nines once and like you played each hole one time before you're going into a tournament and he's like yeah it's you know that's generally how we prepare and it's just it's interesting it's like especially for a course you've never played it's like are you that confident going around it and they're like so does your his caddy's name is ricky i believe right does yeah, ricky, ricky go out does ricky go out there and uh <clears throat> you know, scout it and whatnot. He's like, nah, not, not really. We just go out there and essentially do our thing. Typical like Brooks responses. And it's just like, man, it seems like, you know, you would at least want Ricky out there, like getting an idea of the greens and where you want to hit it and stuff. And I feel like he has to be doing that. Right. Like he, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I know if I, either. that's typical. Brooks, it sounds like but... either the kind of thing from Brooks where you're just sort of like, ah, he'll just say what he feels like saying and how he wants to come across versus like what he actually does, which is potential. 
or he sort of adopts the philosophy that like overthinking it is the wrong idea here. Like your gut instinct or your first instinct is likely the right one in his mind. And you don't want to get over consumed in analyzing the the venue and strategy. Cause if you get all this game plan for doing it one way, then all of a sudden, if you don't hit the shot, then it's like, okay, you have a whole new strategy going to the hole now. And if you're kind of rigid with what you had planned out, then you're not ready to adapt. Maybe. I, that could be, I definitely, I definitely think that that, is a possibility and very well could be the case. I just feel like there's definitely got like Ricky has to be at least going out there. And especially at a course like this, where the green complexes matter a lot and where you're leaving the ball, like you're going to have some ideas of like where you're wanting to hit those approach shots. He's probably the better person to ask in terms of prep. Like Brooks is just going to kind of, you know, say what he feels like saying. This feels like the classic, like, Brooks being a little bit too cool. Like, I don't want him to, to lean into the nerdy side, right? Like, I just go out yeah. there and I play my ball. Um, even though he probably is grinding the tape and as committed as anybody is to, like, I want to execute this perfectly. He just wants – to me, he definitely puts a lot on that image of, like, no, nah, man, I just go out and play the game, and I usually goes well for me. Like, I think that's more image control than anything, but who knows? I mean, at yeah. least he's putting in more prep work than Jay Day did before the PGA. <laughs> Dude, he was happy. He had already sailed off into the sunset. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll show up. Why not? Yeah. Teeing off on Thursday, haven't seen a single hole of the golf course. <laughs> this is all gravy, baby. We're just That'd probably be how I approached it if I was playing. Not really, but I, I like to show up to the golf course <laughs> and just start playing. Get out there and really, go. It, it didn't really work out for them. Uh, for him though there no he said byron nelson champ that was all he was worried so, about you know we we already started with kind of the the elephant in the room or the 800 pound gorilla in the room <laughs> but what do you guys think brooks's odds so this week i mean it, it's it, i don't think vegas vegas doesn't have him as a favorite they have vegas insider has them at, at 1100 tie with Rory and odds and both rom and scheffler are uh ahead of them scheffler at plus 600 and rom at plus 900 uh, so what do you guys think is, is that fair? Or do you guys think, you know, Brooke should be further up? I think it's very close to fair. Um, just given that we've seen a little bit more of Rom and how much good golf Rom has played this year. I mean, Rom's won four times this year, three times this year. Um, so I kind of get like, we joked forever that Rom or Scotty's just going to win every event this year. So I could get it. Um, but also, I think, I think Brooks odds, definitely deserves to be in that top three. Uh, at the sports book I'm looking at, he's the third at plus tw- uh, plus twelve hundred, and I think that's right where he deserves to be. I think that's a pretty good. Uh, I I yeah. I at this point, until he proves otherwise, he's had a he was the fifty four hole leader at Augusta. He won the PGA Championship. Like he deserves to the very least be the second odds favorite to me. I think he's a stronger favorite to win this than Rom. I think the only person you can make a case for right now is Scotty, just because he's ball striking his fucking face off right now. Strokes gain numbers that we haven't seen since tiger. Like that's, yeah. that's fucking wild. If his putter just works this week, like no one's beating him. I mean, to yeah, be fair, he's... the sports book I'm looking at it, they have Brooks at 12 to one and they have Rom at 11 to one. So it's really close. Yeah. I just don't think I've seen what you're saying, from though. Rom to be like, yeah, like he's going to put his foot down and take this thing by storm. Like he played great at the Masters, but how, how much has he done since then? 
And at least with Reed, like he wasn't really a factor at the PGA I mean, Championship. He, he played okay at the Memorial. I think it was a T16. Um, he didn't play that great at the PGA, but I mean, he's won yeah. f- four or five times this year, including right? at Augusta uh, yeah, against like, Brooks. I like, think I think he's done enough this year to be like Rom could turn it on and play well this week, and and it like just to say like. Brooks has won the PGA, gotten a T second at the Masters, and won a live event. Like what? I mean, how, I don't. How do you weigh those two? You know. Well, I I can weigh that Brooks is quote unquote healthy now. He seems to be caring a lot about the majors right now, and he's back in normal Brooks form. Which I think when he's doing his thing, like you can't really argue anyone is a bigger favorite going into a major than him, given his track record at majors. And it seems like he refound that old form. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think so. What the question really asking, I think, is if you had to put money on Brooks or Rom, who would you put it on? And I think my answer would be Brooks. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm happy to make that bet with somebody if they want to do 20 straight up, like against I, Brooks. Uh, just to add a little context, I was watching Golf Channel earlier today and they did a graphic and it's uh, Brooks's performance in major since 2017. Um, he's 79 under par, which is the first among all players. He's and then they have rounds in the 60s. He has 44. He's ranked one among all players. Rounds with rounds leading or with the co-lead, 18, ranked first in that. Top sixes in majors, 13, ranked first in that. So just to add a little more context and in your your case, kid. Yeah, I would have probably would have helped to have the other examples there. You could have said he's first across all those stats. Like you're saying numbers. <laughs> it's just like, what does that mean with other people? Yeah, I mean he's balling out. We knew, we, we knew he had the best stats since 2017 with majors for sure. I was wondering how far ahead he was of everybody else. Well, okay, I didn't have that at my disposal <laughs> right now, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with you guys. I would put I I would put money on Brooks over John as well this week, but I by no means am ruling John Rahm out of this course. I think it's a decent sure. setup, especially if he has his a good a good week. Yeah, I think we're all the mindset that John Rahm's game fits everywhere, and he has such a well-rounded, like, solid game that you don't really want to rule him out of any venue. What I'm saying is I just don't think he's as strong as Brooks at this venue. The only person I think you can make a case for is Scotty just because of what his ball striking is right now. I mean, you guys saw the stats from Memorial last week. If him and Denny McCarthy combined their games, he would have been plus 30 strokes gained. Like, yeah. It was just Denny's insane. putting. It was just yeah. You know, was yeah. First well, you take he was Keith Green leading his putting. That would be combining their yeah. game. Yeah, right. Like truly, the, I think the next. I think they have like the strokes gained of all time of Scotty's ball striking right now. It's like he's like fourth all time in strokes gained. They've been tracking it like just behind like VJ Tiger and Ernie Els. Like that's right. fucking wild with how dense and like the the performance and and talent pool is now. Like. Yeah. Truly, if if Scotty just keeps his normal ball striking he's been doing right now and has an average putting week, like zero, like strokes gained zero, he's fucking winning this week. It's terrifying. By several strokes. Yeah. Like he's running away with it because he finished DFL in putting at Memorial and still finished third. Like that's insane. (laughs) He put a new putter in this week. So he's just trying to say, yeah. Data yeah. Golf has Scotty as the favorite to win the tournament, and they have him at a thirteen percent chance to win. Thirteen. 
that's for like context that is that's like insane like one and, it's one and eight it's one and eight so yeah. it's yeah i and mean that is crazy the next the first, next closest yeah. to him is rory at 6.4 percent, and then it's john rom at 6.3 then it's shoffley at 5.9 i don't Can't hit shoffley here can't I don't hate 5.6, and then it drops down a little bit from there to Hovland at 3.7. If we want to talk Xander now, uh, dude, I, I think I cannot pick Xander in a major until he does it, man. Hey, I, California, I feel California boy, the the home game models are going through the roof. Um, you I know, get it. Could yeah, He's from San Diego. Yeah. Close enough, dude. Couple I mean, you got two guys right? in the field that are strong contenders that are from LA with Max and Colin Morikawa. So and and Cantlay. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about data. Cantlay. Data golf is not high on uh, on Homa. I mean, I wouldn't be too high on Homa until he shows it at a major. He still doesn't have a top twenty at a major, right? He, he yeah. has less less than one percent chance of winning. They. Say. I thought he had like a backdoor top ten. I thought we did this recently. I'll pull it up. I don't think so. I don't know why I thought that because I thought we had this conversation, but um, yeah, I just don't think I'm ready. To, I, I'm done picking because Z- I've I've had Xander on my fantasy team. I've had the Xander's built for majors competition like a million times. I think with with Xander specifically, I just got to see it now. Like I can't can't go into another one thinking like this is when he does it. Yeah, I mean, right now he has one. He has one top 20 from the PGA championship in 2022 at Southern Hills. And then uh, right. nothing else besides that inside the top 40. Yes. And then of his, what appears to be nine, 12, uh, 14 of his 15 starts and majors. He has eight missed cuts. So he misses the cut more often than he makes the cut. That yeah, you know, there's also the turned of the new leaf max from like this past season and this season. So right, starting the winter of last year, yeah. I don't disagree, although he hasn't done anything to make you fucking swoon about this year. T forty three at the Masters, T fifty five at the PGA. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like Max is a different player now, and uh, you know, if there's a, a place that he's gonna do it, and I know. You know, he's had this one marked on the calendar for a hot minute. Um, he's played well here in the past. So, uh, you know, you never know. It would be an awesome story. I'll, I'm always rooting for the boy Homa. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the you know, uh, a guy like Cantlay or Shoffley are probably more likely to be up in the mix on the weekend. Cantlay has sucked in majors recently too like he he's struggled i because that people talk about max having the course record here but he took it from cantlay uh who well, had the course record prior non-official stewart Hagerstad has shot a 59 out there yeah that's pretty sick <laughs> not unofficially yeah, <laughs> yeah not in like a tournament or whatever yeah i mean cantlay um, top 10 of the pga this year yeah but he's been like he hasn't been within like four or five shots of the lead, I think, ever in a major, which again is just some. Twitter I feel like there was a ma- I feel like there was a Masters where he was like right in the mix on Sunday, but I, I yeah. can't remember. He also got T. He also got T three at Beth Page. Yeah. Either I, way, you know, yeah. 
he went to school in California or is he a California boy too? He's from I Long think Beach. both. Yeah. So another some some uh home home field, home court advantage, home home game models going going yeah. off there. Yeah, I certainly don't hate that as a pick. I, I think I like it better as like a, a top ten or a top twenty pick of like Yeah, a, I mean I feel like both those guys are gonna be lingering around come the weekend. Yeah. You know who we haven't talked about at all pretty much this year on podcasts and kind of not even like to ourselves much. And he's part of Dave's Wolfpack too is Tony Fino. Like what, what has been going on with the fiend? Big fiend. He's just living life, living that, that family (laughs) life, going and playing some golf tournaments. And, you know, I, I, I like, I like the way his game sets up for, for this course. I think he's a, uh, a guy that can play well here. Um, you know, he's played well at Riviera. Max beat him in that playoff a couple years ago. Um, so that's, you know, right in the same area as uh LACC. So, you know, he, yeah. he, he I could see I could see him doing well here. Um I think Kid's point when he brought it up is he hasn't really done much this year. He won uh, a Mexico Vidanta. Yeah. Yeah, the WGC, right? No, we don't do WGCs anymore. Oh, yeah, that's live. I have no idea. It might be a WGC. I was right. I was like, "What did he?" I was like, "Well, oh, I, they did. They it WGCs, was in Mexico. I don't think they have the the elevated events. Yeah, it's year. called the Mexico. It's the Mexico Open. The Mexico Open. Yeah, but yeah, he yeah. did. He did win that. It was a. Uh, I think him and Rom. Beat John, the, he, yeah, he beat John Rom. Beat Rom. Yeah, it was him and Rom were the only guys really there, like of beat substantial. John Rahm coming off of a Masters win, like feeling hot. <laughs> we're tired but but yeah well they had a week they, they, i don't think either of them went to the heritage yeah probably which, is, right. which was an elevated a designated event actually he fina went to the heritage i don't think rom did probably not rory didn't either uh, actually no rom did go we give him we remember giving him credit that like he just won the masters he went rory to the heritage and rory didn't go yeah um so all that to true. say i also like being out here um, I don't know that I love him just again until you win a major. It's hard to, to say, but it, it would not surprise me at all if he pulled it off. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna win, but yeah, I mean that's not a hard thing to say. There's very few people where I think they have a good chance of winning. I don't think Fino does. Um, I mean when Scheffler is taking up 13% of the percentage, I mean Jesus Christ, who <laughs> I mean, I I feel like that putter is a real, a real thing right now, though. Like, I get he he switched putters, like, but like the putting's an issue, and he's led like in interviews and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's fine, where you know everything's normal. It's like, dude, no, it's not normal. Like, I think the main thing is that you just you just need an average week from him, and I think it's just been in a slump. And if it, if the average weeks start now, then it's fantastic. I mean, all it takes is a good putter week. We saw it with Hideki. Like you give them a good putter week, they win a major. And okay. go ahead. Scotty is third on tour in lag putting this year. I think that's that stat is just how close is your first putt in proximity, and when he's giving himself six footers at all times, like. That probably skews the stat when you miss a lot of the six footers, but I do think like I'm not, I'm not sure that's how lag putting works. Well, no, the the stat, the stat 
the stat that I read was proximity in putting, which they said is basically your first putt. They didn't necessarily call it lag putting 20 foot oh, out okay. or whatever. Um, but anyway, I think that, you know, this course with these greens, it could take a little bit of the putting element out to where the rest of his game shining could be, you know, all it takes. Um, and he's going to just have an average week putting because putting is harder for everybody else. Not necessarily that he gets better, but the field comes back. Yeah. Do, just, just a random thought that came to my head. Like is this is like Scotty is playing some of the best TD green golf and he's been playing this like insane golf, not necessarily to the caliber he is right now, TD green, but like, since last season and he's stacked up a number of wins, you know, guys go on heaters and, you know, this one has been like, you know, a year and a half of like really good golf. Do we think like, what is Scotty's floor? Like do, is this like a sustainable thing for him? Like, is he going to continue to just have like a really good tee to green game? And, uh, Kid brought up the, you know, the correlation between him and Hideki. Um, is is he going to be kind of a player like that? Or, you know, obviously he's a, a little different tier than Hideki. But uh, I don't know. I, I just, that came to my I head. Don't, and I just Yeah. I don't think that Scotty is, like, the level of strokes gained that he's at right now doesn't seem sustainable like over a three to five year window like he could be the best ball striker on tour for three to five years I think that is totally reasonable but being like this far above everybody else where he's at right now seems like that's probably I guess I guess to simplify gonna... simplify what I'm, I'm I'm saying is I'll, I'll give an example like Rory is been a top player in the game for a decade plus and he has a very high floor even with his worst game do we think scotty's going to be a guy or a player like rory or is this just a window in his career where he very well meet very well may be the best like part of his career kind of like and i i don't think the just to preface this i don't think it's over for this guy but kind of like a jordan spieth thing like yeah jordan came out and won three majors and had a great start to his career and has kind of lost it and has been bringing it back but is he going to be more of like a jordan spieth kind of kind of story or is it going to be like a super high floor like like rory so i'll answer kind of two points of this the first one i think ryan was touching on is i don't think the ball strike is going to stay where it is i don't think the putting is going to stay where it is i think they're both going to kind of come back to the meeting a little bit Um, I think it's just unfortunate timing that his ball striking is the best it's probably ever been and possibly ever will be at a point where his putting is the worst it's ever been and maybe the worst it ever will be. If only those things correlated for the same time, he could have gotten the grand slam. Like who knows who fucking knows such as golf though. Yeah. That's always how it is. But yeah, I mean, you would think from a pro though, like they wouldn't let their putting get this bad, but unless their name's Sadeki, um, the uh, the other point of your question is, do I think he's going to have a trajectory similar to Spieth or J-Day and even JT to a degree right now? Or is he going to be more like Rory where he's consistent for you know 15 years? And I actually would probably put Scotty in the Rory camp, despite his game seeming to be kind of volatile in that sense. And I think it's because 
I think when Jordan was at his peak in 2017 and 2015, his putter was hot. Like it wasn't that his like his ball striking was phenomenal in 2017, but it wasn't strokes gain like it is for Scotty right now. And I think the floor on Scotty's ball striking is a lot higher than Jordan's floor on his ball striking. And I think that's going to keep him probably, I don't see Scotty leaving the top 20 in the world for the next three to five years. I definitely don't see him leaving the top 30 or 40 in the world in the next five to 10 years. Um, He's still relatively young. I think his game is well suited for it. And I expect that he's going to get himself himself sorted with the putter at some point. I just think he's too talented and I, I think he's too, he's too hard of a worker to let it kind of get any worse than it already is now. I think that's fair yeah. for sure. I was just curious what y'all thought about that. Cause it, it's an interesting question for sure. Cause you know, like he has had a, an insane like year and a half window where that, you know, that sometimes that's, the best of a person's career, you know, that they may never come close to doing anything like that. You know, Jason day is a great example kid. Like, yeah, recently he, 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 he finally won again, but like it, it it almost looked like that was just going to be Jason day's legacy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And similar to speed, it was also the putter for J day when he was world number one, it was like, dude, this guy, and he still is an amazing putter, but like, I think we want to give credit to what caused both of them to slump is that Jordan ignored a wrist injury for years that he should have yeah. taken care of. And J day had a back injury for a long amount of time. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to just say like they fell off because their game fell off. There's so many fickle parts of golf that just the slightest injury can really throw off the complete journey for where you were meant to go in the game. I um, think something with golf and injuries um, just from an outsider, like I've never been like a super like golfer that practices every day to where you can get like lingering injuries. Right. But uh, I feel like golf is a game where you get an injury and it may be like kind of nagging or whatever, but you're like, go out and play and you have a good round and it, you know, nagged you and you just kind of go through that motion of like, Oh, it, you know, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But over time you start to compensate and the swing changes and it just throws you your whole game for a loop and you start changing shit to compensate for something. And, you know, that, you know, like Will Zalatoris, it sounds like that's like what caused yeah. his back is his injury. It sounds like really he's making the right there. decision though. Right. That he just like, yeah. God, I just got to throw yeah. out this season. It sucks, but I'm young and I need to take care of this versus yeah. trying to fight through it. Like props to him for just re- like acknowledging that and just doing it. But yeah, it seems yeah. like if 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 like you're gonna do the smart thing in golf, it's like not to not to like try to play through anything that seems like it could be bad or like seems it, like it, it could be an issue. Yeah. And that may it be just easier like... said than done because like a little wrist soreness may feel like just soreness is like, oh, I've 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 been hitting a lot of buckets of balls or whatever it may be. And uh, Bad habits yeah. are hard to break. I would and just say for like young goal. golfers or some some people out there, like you know, make sure if you have an injury, like take it seriously and you know, don't don't fuck around with it because you don't. Well, want and your I, whole, I, your whole game. Think of... I just think I just think there's like a lot of sports where you can kind of play through an injury or play through the the pain. Like if you're you know, if your toe is broken, like you probably can still play middle linebacker for a game, like just like fight through it and like do fine. But there's so many fine motor skills 
and little things in, in golf that like you got a broken pinky finger, like you you could be fucked, even though you feel like you can swing it fine and you've hit some good shots here and there. It's just like it's diminishing returns and it's just on the art, the margins that like you hit 72 shots throughout a, a, an average round of golf with a broken finger. It's going to fuck up at least two of those. And that's going to cost you yeah. potentially like making the cut versus if you have a broken finger, like it's not going to stop you from blocking the defensive tackle like that. That, that the, the idea here is I'm not trying to throw linebackers on the bus right now, but <laughs> the idea being is that like, because it's such a fickle and like, complicated game in terms of mechanical execution that you know you see guys in the nba with broken fingers just taping two of them together still hitting jumpers like it's just there's just certain ways that like golf is just so fickle in terms of your health is so important that some guys think that they can overcome it and work around it and that's just not the case i mean look at cantley it's a great example someone who had a, a back injury that completely like halted their initial kind of success in the game on the professional level. And then he gets that sorted out, treats it like a temple now. And, you know, he's a top eight player in the world, top seven player in the world. For sure. So, uh, yeah, it, to, to their point, just to kind of circle it back to Spieth and Jay Day, it's like if they were healthy, like they we might think about their careers completely differently. It's just they stuck around and tried to fight it for longer than they probably should have. And, and you know, Jordan actually – did a recent podcast on Smiley Kaufman's show and he kind of walked through in even more detail like how his hurt wrist completely changed the mechanics of his swing and and how it was just such a it was just such a, a bad road for him to go down because he just tried to compensate and work around the injury by changing his his swing when that's the complete opposite thing, you, want thing to do. you should do. Yeah. That was a an interesting tangent that we just went down and a worthy one, but we've gotten quite a long way away from the U S open. Um, but speaking of Jordan, do y'all have thoughts on him? I think kid you, when you saw the first video of this, you described this course as speethy. I did in our group message. I said, this place is looking speethy. And then Dave asked me who my pick was to win on the last pod. And I, I said, speeth and his reaction was like me too. And he, I guess he didn't see or read or remember my speethy text, but um, yeah, I, I do like speeth here because I, I, I think if you can place it decently off the fairway, you have to be really precise with your approaches into these greens and I think he's someone who thrives really well on precision placement and, and, and approaches. And then if you have a decent amount of breaking or kind of tricky greens, I think that's where he kind of thrives. And then sure. LACC has a like a decent amount of kind of, uh, you know, off balance stances and balls below and above your feet. Like number three is a great example of a, a fairway that just looks fucking quirky as hell. And like, I love speed on like a hole like that. And I think he's going to be, a potential magician around here. If he can keep the ball relatively in play off the tee, like I like him a lot here. Yeah. And his driver has been kind of a strength as of lately. You know, he's been a lot straighter and, you know, we'll see, man. I, I, I like Spieth a lot. I, I said that he is who I think is going to win, but over the course of time <laughs> um, since then, my heart has strayed a new way, a different way. Can I, oh, can man. I guess, can I guess? I and you'll, like... you'll say yes. If uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll accept. I get it right. If I guess it right, you're not gonna be like, no, 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 not that person. Yeah. I'll absolutely tell you. Cause I do have a lingering feeling with this guy too. I think he's going to get like a top 10. I don't think he's going to win, but is it Ricky? It is. <laughs> I knew it. I was about to say it as well. I was like, he's got, he's into Rick. 
I don't hate I don't, it. I don't. I don't hate Ricky here either. I. Th- I think he can. And the do... boys' game is trending this year. The home game model golf, is yeah. going off for him, a California boy. And I'm just this whole. You know, I don't know. Oh, at least a week, I've been like, man, something's telling me that that Rick's gonna play well. I. I. Uh, I can see it. I, I. I think the main thing is. I would like Ricky a lot here if the conditions get hard, like harder than normal, like even for a U.S. Open, because I I think his game is well suited for keeping it, you know, keeping it conservative, keeping it within the lines, don't overextend, not trying to go out there and make a shitload of birdies. And it sounds like they're still, even with it being a U.S. US Open, there's still probably going to be some birdies out there that Ricky has struggled scoring like at the PGA championship. He had tons of putts for birdie that were not that far off. And he just couldn't seem to get the ball in the hole, which is what I, I think if it's a defensive us open, I like his chances. I think if it's an aggressive one, I don't love his chances. Well, I, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, I just know uh, like you say the putts aren't far off. And if they're not far off, that means they could have just been going in and there was a point in time where <laughs> not Ricky, really what I was saying. There that, was, that a, was such a weird way there, to spin it. There was a point in time where Ricky was debatably the best putter on the planet. So if he just gets a couple putts rolling and he starts seeing the rock go in, the guy's game is trending, and the the feels are going off. Uh, you know, I haven't had a feeling at a major for Ricky like this probably since Port Rush. Um, this may even be a little even more like maybe it's just been a while, but uh, yeah, it's feeling. Yeah, I'm I'm liking I'm liking what I'm feeling. I'm feeling what I'm liking. I like it. That was the ultimate spin zone. Kids like he's missed a lot of putts. And Dave is like, I hear yeah, you he... say he almost made a lot of putts. <laughs> that means <laughs> like he, could, he just couldn't time. score the PGA championship. He had so many looks at birdie. He couldn't make any of them. But what I heard you say is he was really close to making a lot of yes. birdies. And if those just start going optimist. in. He can't miss Look, we're, we're saying similar things about Scotty. I right. wouldn't say that they're on the same ball striking and approach level, but I, look, I don't hate Ricky here either, Dave. I think he has, yeah. like I said, I think he's a great play for a top 10. I don't think he's got, got the gas to go out there and score like Scotty or even speed if he gets hot. Um, I, I think he's, he's going to be the one who's going to be battle of attrition out there. And if it gets hard, I like Ricky. What a what a story though! Ending the drought with his first major at LACC. I mean, man, be sick. Yeah, be be sick. Be happy for you. Yes. So, (laughs) kid, is Spieth your official locked-in pick, or is that just a pick? No, I mean, I'm still bullish on Spieth. I, I, I think he's. Look, I think if you told me that like your life is on the line, like we're going to murder you if you don't pick this right, like I'm going to pick Scotty. But like if if it's sort of like if the stars align but like in a reasonable way, who do you think will win that I think a lot of people maybe don't think is going to win and you'll look like a smart guy for saying it? That's speed to me. Okay. So that's good because I would preface my pick in that exact same way. Like if if I have to bet my mortgage, I'm putting it on Scotty, the dude that I love that I think could get away and, and I would not be shocked if they win it is Terrell Hatton. Um, oh. Dude is falling out this season. 
Um, he's playing well in every aspect of the game. Um, and I think that the course is going to be really challenging. A lot of people are going to be pissed off at the course. And in true Hulk fashion, he's always pissed off. So he will be prepared to handle it. Um, but that like, has him in the top 10 of their yeah, favorites. It's crazy. I think like, what was I looking? He's top 20 in uh, strokes gained, tee to green, approach and putting. And I think scoring average, he's behind only Rom and Scotty. Like, he's playing really good golf. So, again, Scotty's going to yeah. win the thing. But if he doesn't, this I like that pick. Last three U.S. Opens, T56 and 2022, miscut, miscut. Eh, this is a new course. God, you can say that every fucking week. <laughs> like, I, I think... That's a to me, that's a bit of a wild pick. Like I I don't see any part of his game that is going to, I think, elevate this week to put him over the edge of the guys that I think have that extra gear. Like I think people have to not have it this week for Tyrrell to 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 win it. I don't think he has his A I don't think his A plus game or his A game is gonna beat fucking Brooks's B plus game or Javi's A game or that's fair. I just, I don't think he's got that gear. So I think that's fair. I was going to bring this guy up and you kind of mentioned him a second. We haven't talked about him, but it's it's Javi. Um, I love Javi this week. What do we think about him this week? Um, You know, he's, he's kind of, it kind of seems like he's turned a new page in his game. He's been on the leaderboards in majors as of lately. He had a, he had a chance to win the PGA this this last major. Um, He's back in the Wolfpack. I mean, what more do you <laughs> want? Like the guy's trending. The guy is absolutely trending. Yeah. So I in my betting group, he was one of the first names I threw out as somebody I wanted to bet on. I mean, he's great off the tee this year. He's an unreal approach, like ball striker, and for whatever reason, in majors at the very least his chipping has gotten substantially better. Um, so yeah, I love Javi this week. I think it's a great pick. I would not be surprised at all if he pulled it off. Uh, uh, I was listening to a podcast. I believe it was Andy from the fried egg or the shotgun start. Um, he was saying, and, he, and I think it's a good point. I think like kind of some straight, like at, at least as of lately with, with uh, Vic, the chipping when it's a straightforward chip, it's not that bad, but it, it's when you kind of have to get, you know, bring out the artistry with it. If it's like a flop shot or some weird lie or something like that, that's kind of where he struggles. And this course I feel like is going to kind of bring that out, especially yeah. around the bunkers and stuff, which we alluded to earlier a little bit, like the ball might not necessarily run into the bunker if you're going up to the green or, you know, there's going to be some weird lies out there. That's only the only thing I can really think of with with Vic's game. Like you said earlier, like I think the putting is going to kind of be neutralized with these complexes of the green and stuff like that. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I would love to see him in the mix. Um, I, I think he's a great name to have in 
in the mix. Uh, I enjoyed it when he was in the mix at the open and the PGA. Um, so yeah, I hope he does well and, you know, I'd be happy to see him win, win here this week. There's some guys I'd like to see win before him, but I would be perfectly fine with a, uh, a hobby dub this week. Another European that is trending that I have a weird feeling about this week. I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to put a lot of people on an edge this week and could very well just card top five, maybe even like a top three. Like he's just lingering there on Sunday is Justin Rose. I, he's kind of, he's kind of looking like kind of 2017 Justin Rose, the one that should have won the Masters. Like it's, it's kind of very, like textbook, sensible, like smart, like golf, like you're 42 years old. And like, sometimes you feel like when you're watching Brooks, these majors, like he's playing golf, like he's 42 years old. And he's like, gosh, what a fucking, you know, <laughs> sure. 401k matching decision shot into that green, <laughs> like just, you know, Vanguard fun kind of decisions out there. Just like the most sensible, you know, just long-term, you know, got a fat pension kind of gig going game. I love this. That's amazing. But yeah, I love Rosie. Um, I have him in a top 20 parlay. Because um, winning it seems like maybe a long shot, but he's been playing really well. Um, he's hitting it really well off the tee. I, I think uh, he's switched drivers this year and apparently has gained like 15 yards and all sorts of like he's driving the ball really well. He needs uh, to get back in those Hanmas. Yeah. That's what he needs. That, he he uh, won like the second week in those things. That was and, a honeymoon. and then and then precipitously was, dropped off. Yeah. That was a honeymoon phase win for yeah. sure. Um. Yeah. I I I I hear where you're coming from with Rose. I would be surprised if he was if he, you know. I don't know. I would be surprised if he was in the mix on Sunday. I would, I, I truly would be, but I, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. I think more of a European that garners some merit at least, especially as of recently is the boy Fleetwood. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he just got a, a tough loss in a playoff at the RBC heritage this past weekend. Um, but it seems like, you know, his game is coming back into form. And it seems like a decent course setup for for the guy. Um, I have a I hard would... time rooting for people whose first PGA Tour win is a major. Like I felt it with Fitzy. Like I feel like he got to fucking earn it. Like before you How come you, here, you don't earn it by winning the major. Like it, it like, feels it feels fluky to me. Like so I like do you it. have the same sentiment like with a Open Championship win. Like even though they haven't won a PGA Tour, like. If you're predominantly like, unless you're playing exclusively on the European tour and that's how you qualify into the open and you, and you've won the European tour a bunch and then you go there, that's one thing. But like Tommy has played so much on the PGA tour. I feel like, like you, it's almost as if like, you shouldn't like, you I don't feel like it's, the right. the, I don't, I don't feel, I feel like it's got to like emphatically win something before. And it just, it doesn't feel the same to me. John Deere before you can have a major, you gotta, you gotta get something minor. I get I'm, that. Like I'm saying, like I feel like, like if Hobby won a major the other years, it would have felt like a little bit weird because he didn't have like a 
you know, a fucking big event win. But I feel like Hollywood Memorial now is sort of like, bro, you're fucking the thing ready. Is, Fleetwood has won some big dick events in, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and shit. Like, it's not like the guy hasn't won events. It just hasn't been on the PGA Tour. You can't tell me those events he won in the Middle East weren't on the status of a John Deere or something. They definitely were. They were better. Yeah. And I'm saying that Javi already had two wins in Puerto Rico and somewhere else. And I wouldn't, I would have had the same sort of feeling. I it's him winning the Memorial to me. It's like, all right, you've graduated. You've earned your ability to go out there and win a major and it fucking like be expected and deserving. Like I, I even feel it a little bit about Gary Woodland's win. Like, well, what yeah, about, the what Phoenix about open is tight. What I about guess Spieth winning the John oh, Deere on. and then winning a major. <laughs> Yeah, that he kind of he kind of resolidified himself by winning the fucking U.S. Open, his next fucking major start. I, <laughs> I think a lot you, of, but but also like I think the the thing with Speed too is that like he also went on to like win two more times after that, like also on the PGA Tour. Like, yeah, okay, I will I will eat my words if if Tommy wins this week and then goes on to win two more times on the PGA Tour this season. But to me, if he wins this week and then goes on to also finish out his career without winning the fucking on the PGA Tour, like to me, it's a fluke. It's a fucking fluke. Like you couldn't do it up until then. Like you got lucky that week, dude. Like it fucking Damn, came together. I've never heard kid but, are, this like is in harsh. this position against Tommy Lad. Like he yeah. generally is a guy who is on Tommy Lad's side, but I don't like what I've been seeing out of him. I don't like what I've been seeing about him. You didn't like that weird ass layup last week on the fucking playoff hole after he fucking blew it after he blew it right on the fucking 72nd hole. Like I just he's perpetually not getting it done. And I can't let my my positive feelings for the guy cloud the judgment that I held on Matt Fit Matthew Fitzpatrick. And I still hold on Matthew Fitzpatrick. Like he still hasn't won on the PGA tour except for his US Open this past year. And are, is this really what the US Open's oh. becoming? Is like you're going to win this oh. major without winning on US Dude, soil. Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick won the RBC. Won in the but RBC after hair. winning the US Open. Okay. Okay, but he's won on the PGA Tour, and also like, come on, Speed was supposed to like, like, how the fuck did that thing not break into the fucking hole? Like, that's fucking insane. Boy, you could say the same thing about Fleet. You could say the same thing about Fleetwood. How did that seventy-two foot eagle putt go in? He was still like, he still had a fucking thirteen footer that he had to make just to push and extend the playoff. Like, eh, yeah, yeah, on like he lost because of a seventy-five footer went in. Like, he he had a good chance of missing that. I'm just saying, you're like saying like Fitzy didn't win the like ah that putt from Spieth should have gone in. And trust me, I'm a Spieth guy. I was rooting for Spieth that tournament. It's just like you know. Yeah. If the dude I told you I wasn't rooting if for Fitz. One, one Fitzy's in my anti-wolf pack. Second thing is that I don't like your first PGA Tour win being a major. It just doesn't feel right to me. That's what I'm fucking saying to you guys. I That's fine, it, it, but he has fucking backed it up with now he has a PGA Tour win. Yeah, and it's the wrong order. It's the wrong order. <laughs> but he has both. It's, he's dying on this hill, man. Just let, let him stay there. You're not going to change his mind. That's fair. Uh, I Fleetwood this week feels closer to a miscut than me. Like it seemed like just if a you had real... to pick between him and Rose, who's who's going to finish higher? Rose. Okay, I'll I... take I'll take a bet on that. That whoever finishes higher for a smooth five bones. <laughs> Deal done. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I just man, that was such a limp dick finish out of Fleetwood last week and it just feels like the kind of thing 
where it's really gases you and it's draining. Like, fuck, man, I could have won that tournament three different times over. And then I mean, he should have won it on on the 72nd hole. He should have birdied that hole and tuck it home for sure. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, so, a, a, a par five that usually plays as a par four for the membership. What the fuck was that shit? That's what happens when you wait. Miss it, it plays as a par irons. four at the membership. Yeah. Yes. Wait, what? From different tees, I assume. Well, of course, the members play at a different set of tees, but like no, but it doesn't change. It, like the membership, like... they still play the same hole. They lay up short of the water and they play two shots on the green as a par four, and they play as a par five for the pros. Regardless, it makes the point even that more valid that right. Tommy should have fucking got. That's what I'm saying. Up. I'm not liking what I'm seeing from Tommy. Yeah. yeah. But also, it, like, it's sort of like he either is going to hit a fairway wood tw- like 15 yards further. Like, no one's besides Brandon Matthews. No one else is trying to carry it over the water there. Like, he right. felt like his his approach wasn't going to change much differently. He's still going to use a fairway wood going in. My issue is more like, how do you miss hit two irons? in a row if you're Fleetwood pressure like that's the concerning part (laughs) just like how about we put respect on the guy who has won the PGA Tour twice and ask how's Nick Taylor gonna do this week worse than Tommy Fleetwood probably yeah I um, because he just won this past week people don't tend to play very well after they win but I think if they're both coming into this week like two weeks separated from this like I would take that bet, Nick Taylor over Tommy Fleetwood. But not this week. With yeah, I worry. I worry about Nick Taylor. He just won his the the first Canadian to win over sixty nine years. Like that dude has been partying, guys. Yeah. Well, first Canadian to win in the Canadian Open. Yeah. You guys knew what I meant. Yeah. Just clarify. Everybody knows (laughs) it was massive global. Nick Taylor has won three times on the PGA Tour. I'm pretty sure. I think twice. He won Pebble in this, right? Uh, I want to say it's three. I couldn't tell you the third one. Maybe the Valero, but I could. Be oh, you're right. He has, he has he has three PGA Tour wins. He won yeah. the Sanderson Farms in 2014. So <laughs> that one was a while back. Yeah, but yeah, three. And then he won. Dang, he he freaking won the Pebble Beach Pro Am like the moments before COVID lockdown. <laughs> he he snuck that one right in. Just a little backdoor. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. Props to him. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll take a I'll take a lot of people over time this week just to kind of twist the knife a little bit more. Hmm. Our live guys, like you know, not to get into the whole situation, but like maybe we just talk about live guys a little bit. Um, Did they feel freed up this week, knowing that like maybe there's a pathway back to normalcy for them? Um, They won't play exhibitions anymore. I was gonna bring up Bryson. Direction. I was gonna bring up the artist formerly known as the big golfer. The Um, artist. He's he's like the furthest thing from an artist. (laughs) I think formerly known as was more the. Sort of He's like the. There. I consider him an artist. Okay. I would think you would think he would call himself an engineer. Like he he's a robotic he, engineer he that might. uses like physics and like clockwork fucking mechanics of how how he goes about his swing. Anyway, I need to see way more out of Bryson, um, before I'm ready to put any money on him. Um, 
from the sounds of things, the dude has been really lost as far as his game goes. Like he didn't play well on any of the live events. Um, I know he played well um, coming back to the majors this year or played better. Um, but I still, I need well to see the Yeah. I need to see more before I'm ready to put anything on him. I think, I think that the artist formerly known, known as the big golfer, um, he is striving to get back to a place he once was. He's slimmed back down. He's going, he's working to get back to the ball striking he once had, like 2017, 18. And uh, I think we can expect a, a pretty good week out of Bryson. I, I feel like he he's honing back in. I feel like he feels vindicated with his live decision, with this, with this news that has happened. He thinks, you know, he made the right choice. All things are going to come back back right where he wants them. And uh, I, I, think, I think we can expect a pretty good week. I would definitely make a bet for a top 20 for him. I think this week's going to work out as well as seen in the interview did. I think uh, a more suitable uh, pick out of the live guys that I think is going to do. I, I'll, I'll take this, well, but clearly over him. Not, Brooks. No, Cam Smith is what I mean. Could you, saying. I mean, could you let me finish my statement, man? <laughs> Sorry. As somebody who I think is going to outperform Bryson by a wide margin and has double his odds on Vegas insider is one Joaquin Neiman. Huh. Yeah, I think also Joaquin, a winner of Riviera. It's as if I thought about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh I like that. I like that a lot. Um Joaquin and it's, it's gonna be firm, it's gonna be fast, his ball's gonna run. I think he can get kind of crafty. He can duck his head over some fences out there. He's out there just getting the job done. I uh when this actually really came into mind is when Mitch picked him up this week. And I was like, wow, I wonder if Mitch is actually thinking about like course setup for the U S open with Joaquin or, if, you know, like, I don't, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Give the boy Mitch some credit. Of course he was. Come on. He did his homework. I, mean, I, I hope, I hope I, I would love that. <laughs> I don't know how many grassy knolls there are out there, but maybe Denny McCarthy shows up and assassinates some people. <laughs> Um, jeez, with with <laughs> jeez, with that. Uh, Ryan mentioned his name, but Cam Smith. We haven't talked about him at all. I feel like this course, you know, could could suit him pretty well. Um, as long as his tee ball isn't too squirrely. Um, but especially you know, as around the greens and green complexes, like you know, you would think Cam Smith, this would be just a playground for him. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you can get away with a lot with these big wide fairways as far. Like, you don't have to be the most accurate off the tee. His See, ball striking I, is so I, good. That wasn't the point I was making out at the beginning of the podcast. I was saying that I think they're going to play a lot narrower or feel a lot narrower than they actually are or than they look because of the undulation and stuff. Like, I think I think it's going to be tougher to, like, have a good shot out of the fairway than it, it, it you would think. I just think like there look, I'd love for Cam Smith to play well. He's on my team. He hasn't really performed as much as well as I'd want him to in these majors. Uh but I I weirdly don't think the green surrounds are big enough for Cam Smith to really flex his his 
short game to really surpass a lot of the people in the field. I think at the end of the day, the person who's hitting the most greens is going to be winning this thing. Um, yeah. And I think Cam Smith really thrives when artistry comes to the forefront and a lot of people are missing greens. You have to get crafty to like save up and downs and do that sort of shit. Um, or everyone's hitting greens and it's like a lag putting fest and he's like insane at that. So the greens aren't that big and I expect the green surrounds to make it where I think a lot of the artistry actually isn't going to be too because it, it so quickly becomes Barranca and it's going to be like, all right, a great shot is just hitting it to the middle of the green versus like hitting it tight from around the greens. So, right. I I'd love Cam Smith to play well just because of my team desperately needs him last in the fantasy <laughs> league right now. But uh, I don't I'm not super bullish on Cam this week. Fair. I mean, that's a fair, fair argument. Is there anybody else from Live? I mean, I don't, do we care to talk about Phil at all? I mean, it would be a fucking hell of a story. I would say, I yeah. would say that much with everything that yeah. happened this past week, and just him not winning a U.S. Open, and this being the one, the one and he, only. If he, he if he wins it, that would be truly insane. Um, I mean, I think yeah. if Kiowa didn't say something then the masters did this year with him getting a T second. Like you never know what the fuck Phil can do. So I wouldn't say it's impossible, but uh, it would truly be a, what the fuck? Like, are we truly in a simulation? Fucking type we are. Of- and it's Phil Mickelson's simulation. <laughs> yeah. Like, he is the master of it. I think the, the no laying up guys joked, if Phil wins, we just get rid of the PGA tour and everybody goes to live. Like, that's what's happening. Phil wins. We're yeah. moving on. I would agree with that. Actually, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't hate. I don't hate his his game for here. I really don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's too too bad. I honestly think the thing that might honestly prove to be the most detrimental to it is that like it's just not an easy walk, and like four yeah. four days of a relatively difficult walk at uh be taxing on Phil by the end of it. But I guess, you know, Augusta wasn't the easiest walk either this past year. So he seemed to figure it out then. So I don't know. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would I, just to kind of what, what, what makes you think that it's not a bad fit for him, but with Cam Smith that it, it you know, how, how, how do you, you explain that? In in what way? Like, why do I think, well, I think Cam Smith has an excellent short game like Phil Mickelson does. Maybe not as much like crazy, like out there shots, but they both have spectacular short games. And as weird as it sounds, Phil's longer than Cam for one. And then I would say the the other side of it too is I actually think Phil's wedging it better than Cam is this year, and I think he's going to be hitting more greens than Cam. Okay, so it's the tee to green game with Phil is what you're saying. Well, I, I just to, to your to your point, like I think a lot of people because of the way the the fairies are cambered, I think a lot of people are gonna be playing from the same positions, even if Phil doesn't have the best drive. Um, do I think Phil's gonna do well in top twenty here? No, but I also don't think Cam's gonna top twenty, unfortunately, here either. I I want to be pleasantly surprised. I have a sunk cost in him playing well with how I drafted my teams, but. I, I don't hate Phil's game here with however that means. Um, I also think that 
Cam's being a really great putter isn't gonna be as much of a uh, of like a, a a buoy here as it is at other venues. Like I think a lot of people are gonna be missing putts here. I think a lot of people are. I I, I think it's just not, you don't have the the hole's not as big here as I feel like it's gonna be other places, and I think that means that Cam's big kind of round saver for him won't be as on display here this week. Okay. Um, before we before we get off the live guys because i can't imagine there's too many more there's a guy who has made a run in a major in the past relatively recently one mito Pereira. how do you think uh, that's just a guy that i think might for whatever reason uh yeah yeah. can you provide some rationale for it um well aside from brooks kepka he is the best ranked among data golf on this golf course hmm. yeah i mean we, we talked about this before the pod i just don't care about course fit tools on data golf for a course that hasn't had any professional rounds recorded at it fair i, I just mean, saw is, there, is is there someone else on live that you think would have a better that's taylor, playing in this tournament taylor gooch is he playing? Did he make a US make the US Open? Wasn't there a controversy? I thought that was that... the whole thing that he didn't make it. Yeah, I don't think he's in the he... in the field. No, that was the whole controversy. Yeah, controversy. I think he would have if he was playing this week. He would have played better than uh, I've already forgotten his name, Mito Pereira. Um, other people on live that I think is going to be better than Mito. I mean, it's kind of slim pickings for the most part. I don't really feel like talking about DJ if I'm being honest. Um, I mean that that was that was kind of my point. Like there really isn't any other <laughs> live guys, and he besides Brooks to Data Golf is the next best guy to yeah. win it. So I mean, I like Bryson better. There, and... I mean, there, there's a good chance that John Rom could win this week, guys. I mean, I mean, uh, is that su- substantiated? Like uh, all that, all those like rumor mill it. shit. Like, do we really think that would actually happen? Like, live no by what most people are saying is probably going to be gone come next year. But at least uh-huh. reputable sources to me, that's what the narrative is. So. I think I, I, I think we'll never know, which is the big thing. Yeah. And I think it, when rough rough waters come, like John Rom's probably going to tend to be like, "All right, I'm going to wait and see how this plays out before I jump into like this really crazy situation." I'm already fucking rich as shit. Like, I don't disagree. I think I, I, think, like I, think, I, th- I think he's uh, he's taking his time, and he's like, "All right, I think I, you know, I got that Masters win. I'm exempt for five years." Uh, <laughs> and and eight more or something for the U.S. Open too. Yeah, so I mean, he's like, yeah. all right, this is buttoned up now. Like we're chilling. Yeah, Masters for he's life. Like, eight more for the U.S. Open. Like, do you all have three hundred million? Five, five, five more years for all of them for sure with yeah. the Masters win. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a hell of a, I, can, I can definitely understand. You know, he probably thinks he's going to rattle off another major at least. So that'll renew the five year thing. Like, I uh, think the bit, and I think he feels like he'd probably have the DP World Tour by the balls too at the Ryder Cup. Is like, you really don't want me on your Ryder Cup team? Like, yeah, really? I'm the guy you're going to kick out. You sure? Sure. That's sure. Okay. 
and okay. that and that has been his whole argue like argument through the almost the entire live PGA tour thing was like the Ryder cup and being paired with Sergio. And I don't think like, yeah. it's a whole different thing. Blah, blah, Dang, blah. Dude, what like, about the, the fucking 40 chess play of him fighting super hard to get Sergio on the team for legacy, just so it paved the way for him to get into it later. If he was on live, like that's some <laughs> fucking galaxy brain shit from him. He doesn't care about Sergio. He's trying to cement his place. He's just even to- he goes exactly. to live. <laughs> But like I said at the beginning, like how how valid is any of that? Like Kid said, like we'll probably never know. But like, I mean, he's so I, tight I, with I, Phil. Phil's been fucking in his ear for two years now, being like, "Dude, I got you guys dead to rights in this legal battle. You're so fucked. Just get over here. You'll be so money, dude. Come on." What's <laughs> he saying to him? He's like, I "You mean, just won oh, the Masters, dude. Your your equity is massive, dude. They will buy you out for a fucking you know nine figures. You're in, I, dude." I don't remember if it was no laying up or shotgun start I was listening to, but like they're talking about everything going on. And it was like the situation where it's essentially like, uh, and this is me saying this, but essentially like a bank robbery that's open for like a year, year and a half, two years. And it's like, if you didn't hop on it and like, a year after this is all done or two years after this is all done. It's like, damn man, like fuck those guys really like, we're already getting money. Like we're, and now we're all getting money from the Saudis. It doesn't fucking matter. And they're a hundred million dollars richer or $50 million richer or whatever it is. It's like, I guess I maybe should have fucking hired different fucking like wealth management people or fucking. (laughs) I, I, yeah, we don't have to get down the, the, the new foyer of professional golf too long, but like firstly that requires it to happen for the first point. Yeah. And the the other thing too, is that like to say that they are going to get exactly what they want to, like who knows what the penalties for coming back are going to be too. like, no idea. I mean, is it going to be more penal than $200 million for Phil? Probably not. I don't think that's going to be the case, Right. but I mean, he can afford it. He's almost a billionaire. So he says, so like what's 200 million. Yeah. Drops in the bucket. Um, do y'all want to take this even fuller circle now and talk about one guy we haven't talked about, and that's Rory. That is crazy. We have not talked a single word about Rory. I mean, I intentionally just not going near it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh by all standards like the course seems like it could be a course Roy plays really well at. Data Golf has him at the second favorite behind Scotty. Um, but yeah, Vegas has him. It's the same favorite, thing as Rom, though, right? Like, is there a bad venue for Rory? Like courses that what? Yeah, like it's like he's uh, long uh, Augusta. Well, you just can't seem to win at Augusta. Uh, it, that might be a bad fair. course fit. I'm kidding. I mean, he, it's a I joke, mean, people. I mean, he 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 did get second last year. I know it's a fucking joke. Yeah, it was a pretty good joke. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, why can't the dude hit a fucking wedge? Like in all seriousness, I don't. I cannot. Wait, like you don't compete. actually get why he can't hit a wedge? Yeah, like it seems like he should have been able to figure it out by now. Because I think there's a couple. I think there's, it, 
his body is set up for long iron swings. Like I think his body naturally likes like driver long iron swings. And like when you get into feely, and this is obviously just my perspective, but when you get into sure. like feely wedge shots and like slowing it down instead of just like coming up to the top and turning through, um, I think when it comes to the feel aspect of it, um, he just doesn't necessarily and he's good at it, but he's not like that's that that is the weak part of his game. And like we were talking about earlier, he debatably has the best floor in golf right now. Right. But if you have to point out a weak part of his game and it, it, it's that. And I think that's the reason like he he is he has got a, a motion that his body is so used to doing it and that's going up and then just turning through. And when you have to okay, eat. well, enough of the swing science from Dave because it's not exactly very articulate in terms of the nuances of why his swing is not set up for wedge play and it's great for long iron and driver sure. play. So I'm he's turning back what... and then he's swinging through. <laughs> I, I hear what you're you. saying, though, that he's powering through the ball at all times and it's not a touchy motion. Like, I, not even I'm that. Just of... like the mechanics of like how like what feels natural to him with like a driver and a longer iron or even mid irons like you can make that work through that most part of that bag but when it comes to the feel like you know 130 to one whatever 70 yards he he struggles more and obviously simply put simply put rory has said that the the reason that his wedges are bad is the reason why his driver and his long irons are good is like they just there's not too much synergy between those two types of swings that he needs to play and that it, there's unpredictable areas of his game whenever he's trying to marry those two because of the swing fields being so different. And I mean, to, like to sum it up, he's just not a Michael Block when it comes to like wedges and <laughs> he's not a world class wedge player. I irons get it. and stuff like that. Like he just isn't to that caliber. And that's just the, the high bar to reach. Yeah, yeah. If, if Rory had Michael Block's short game, he would have like <laughs> eleven or twelve majors by now. It's that's fair. It's it's fucking wild. I mean, you guys saw him at the Colonial. Like the amount of controlled thin and blades over greens that I've seen in the controlled chunks. Like if Roy add that to his arsenal of tricks, like look out. It seems like he has a backup plan though, because he was ringing people up at Raising Canes. So you know that he's got that going <laughs> for him. Yeah, I mean, look, I th- I think he 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 took a swing at saying you know. <laughs> <laughs> what his game was and uh you know has any has anybody with less like golf Jeez. talent gotten more run from like corporate sponsors than michael block after the pga he cashed in super hard and i'm happy for the dude i will say yeah i mean it's I, great for him i would do the exact same thing yeah. if i was in his situation i don't know if i would do as many interviews i think i would be more locked in on the clo- yeah i would be more locked in on the colonial for sure but of course you're going to milk it for as much as you can of course you're going to take the raising canes corporate sponsorship but like has anybody gotten more run from like big corporate shit than Michael Block with like less of a golf game. What I was going to say is I did, I was at colonial on Friday and he was surrounded by families hanging like signing autographs for little kids. Like it, it seemed like that afternoon after he knew he missed the cut, he was talking to moms and dads and like 
doing the right thing. Like it seemed like he came back down to earth and was like just being one of the people again. Or um, he was just fucking embracing like autograph signings maybe. that he's never gonna have again. Hey, get him while you can. Yeah, I just think it's easy to like be like he was being doing the right thing, giving out autographs. It's like, well, he's never really been in that situation ever. So of course you're gonna get his go and give as many autographs and shit as you can. Like you're gonna embrace it and you're gonna soak it all in. Guys, we've got to get off the block train. Thank you. <laughs> um the the main I don't know, just to Tie a bow on Rory. Like, can Rory win this week? Of course he can. Rory can win sure. every fucking week he tees it up. Is he going to win this week? The fuck if I know, man. I think he's going to win in our major, but every fucking year he's in contention at so many majors and he and he hasn't gotten it done. Um, I am prepared to just be thrilled if he's in the mix. Um, he showed some signs of life at the Canadian coming back after a rocky start, the, the rocky start, and then it was just like a complete neutral Sunday for him when he started three back. So maybe that's just enough revenue of his engine he needs going into this week. Um, I, I think what it really comes down to is for him to find at least some of the wedge game that he had last year, this year. Um, it definitely seems like it's dropped off precipitously. Um, the main thing being is that his driver has actually been a little bit squirrely recently, and that seems like it's going to be relatively okay here um, for as far as U.S. Opens are concerned. So I don't know. I, I don't think Rory's going to win, but I'd love for him to prove me wrong. Sure, that's fair. Um, real quick, uh, another guy that we haven't talked about at all, um, Morikawa. Um, any thoughts on him? I, I know he's coming off a, a WD at the Memorial with some back spasms. Um it seems like it would be a good course setup for him. Uh, I know people were high on him, uh, especially before Memorial. Um, what are y'all's thoughts? I mean, we haven't touched on him at all. It feels yeah. like a too good to be true scenario for me a little bit. Like it feels like too many things like fit the models well for him here that like, it's like the, the obvious pick turns out to like miss the cut by five. Like, I don't think he's going to miss the cut by five. But it 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 strikes me as like he everything makes sense for him here, and yet I just have a weird feeling that he's going to be a non-factor. Yeah, I just don't. Back injuries are like a worst nightmare for a golfer that I I would be weary of anybody. I I, I wouldn't put spasms injury. in the same camp as like what J Day and like other people deal with. Like people get back spasms, and you they're that like treatable. To add a little context, um, knowing no laying up was out at the U.S. Open this week. Um, I believe Sully was following Morikawa for a little yeah. bit, and he was saying that he was very tentative. You know, picking the tee up, putting the tee in the ground. You know, you know, really bracing his back. So I, you know, yeah, back spasms, but it could be more of. More, more a little more serious than you know we might think and granted that's just one person saying is he, something. is he being tentative because he's feeling it persistently or is he being tentative because he's worried that he might trigger the back spasms again just out of like caution uh i we don't know but i think regardless he is not acting normal he's not just bending over to pick up his tee or bending over to put in his put his ball on the tee like normal 
Um, I think so. That's definitely some sort of, you know, either red flag. The, the, or... the reason I ask, or I try to seek clarity on it is because I think when you're in a scenario where you're being tentative with like putting a tee in the ground or picking a ball up, the way he goes about putting a tee in or putting a ball in isn't going to change the result for picking the ball up or putting the tee in. But I think if he's tentative with his swing, it will be a problem. But I think if he's not experiencing the pain or any of the discomfort right now, I don't think it's going to lead to him making a less committed swing. But I think if you want to be defensive or cautious, like picking a tee up or picking a ball up is the place to do it because you can control that better and it doesn't matter how you pick up a ball. I don't disagree with that at all. That point, my point is that he is doing that. So there is some sort of lingering or at the, at least in the back of his mind, like, I don't want to trigger this. So, you know, that's just not normal, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think you can, your sentiment is not wrong, kid. I just also, I wouldn't put any of my money on him. Would I be shocked if all of a sudden Morikawa played great? And I was like, fuck, could have got good odds because he was, squatting over weird for the ball sure um but just from a wagering standpoint it's probably not something that i would put my money on somebody we haven't talked about at all and i feel like we just keep doing this over and over someone we haven't talked about we just keep yeah. going down the dodge <laughs> oh, there's it's 130 like, yeah, it's, not, it's not the most compelling i guess podcast podcast content but uh I, I, if it was any, I if it disagree. Was, I think people like to hear information about guys that are in the mix. You know, I just meant like it's, it's kind of a repetitive cycle, but yeah, we are just doing the same. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Who have we not talked about? Any other year, this feels like the perfect venue for him, but because his game is in such a bad place right now, like JT, JT. seems so good for this place, but his game is so far from where it needs to be for the, like this came at the, if this was two years ago, I think JT is like a favorite, but like, God, his game is just in a horrible place right now. Apparently it makes me very sad and it's speculation, oh. but apparently he's got some sort of in injury and it, it, it's speculation from, you know, sources, but oh, you know that yeah. I could, I, I could, <laughs> I could see that like his game hasn't really been where it needs to be since last year, end of last year. And, you know, hopefully he just doesn't do what Smith did, you know, like you, that's the last thing you want to see happen. Right. If, if there's one person telling him to take care of his injury and not prolong this, it would be Spieth and they're close enough to Spieth, know that he would yeah. be saying it to him. Look, I fucking hope that he's not injured. I also understand that like if he is injured, that's a pretty distinct reason for him not playing well. I'd rather just be a slump and he fixes it this week, but it's unfortunate because I, I do think like 2017, 18 or 19 JT yeah. is like gonna like really show up at this venue. I think it's perfectly suited to his game. Um, fuck that his game is where it is right now. Come this week. It sucks. I, I'm a huge, huge JT fan and it has been so hard to to watch him struggle and it it's just it's weird because it's like every aspect of his game right like it's not just like a yeah Scotty where it's like he can't putt but he's gone to aim point now his irons are not nearly what they used to be like and that is kind aim of point also think. seems like it's not gonna really buck its head too hard at this venue too just with right. how, how the greens are like Another reason why I'm not super bullish on Max as well is that like I don't think aim point's gonna be as much of like a a boost as it it is here, like other places. Cause if you need a very like predictable and uh 
uh, like consistent, like straightforward putt to like lock in on aim point and I, I think get the result that you want. The moment you start dealing with like double breakers or like all this kind of craziness that you might get with this particular venue, like I don't see, I don't see aim point being as much of a, a of a help as it it is other places. So another reason I why, totally agree. yeah, like not too huge on on home because of that front as well. Yeah, it's a huge bummer, but you're right. I wonder, it would be hilarious to see somebody aim point like three different spots in a triple breaking putt. Like you aim point it to the end of the first break and then you aim point it to the second and then average all of that out. I don't know how else it would work, um, but that's and, kind and not of even just that, idea. But like you would have to, you, you know what your aim point speed is with a single breaking putt. It's almost impossible to know what your speed is going to be on like at the, the nexus of two different break points. But right. plus it would take them 15 minutes to get a read done on, on that yeah. sort of situation. So, yeah. That's all to say, unfortunately, I JT's odds though, he's like 50 to one. Like that's almost worth like a $10 flyer on just like, if for some reason he found it with where his game's at, like you never, ever get JT at 50 to one. And I don't yeah. see him doing it. Uh, yeah, I think he he left those odds for a reason. I mean, he yeah, he's he's he was my first pick in the draft. He has four points. That's tough. That's yeah. really tough. So it's, we oh, go ahead. No, I just I, I was going to say it's unfortunate. Like it, it seems like it was a great opportunity for him. I, I loved I loved him at this venue, um, and it, I just don't think it's going to shake out for him. So we haven't really talked a ton about the course um there's one hole in particular um y'all probably know which hole i'm talking about uh hole 15 fuck uh, yeah the short part three let's fucking go baby let's yeah. fucking go hole God, 15, i love it hole 15 it can play as short as like 75 yards and it sounds like they're gonna play it at that length at least one round what do y'all think about this hole I fucking love it. I hope it fucking eats their lunch and I hope the wind picks up on that day they play it short because I I just love the idea of giving guys weird feel shots. Like I I feel like yeah. when it comes to when I cut when it comes to course setup especially on par 3s like that should be more like they should take that into consideration more often. I'd love it. Like, I'd love it where yeah. there's guys that just can't seem to fucking figure out a field shot that has to land in like a tabletop size spot that it's going to be so like severe in the undulation of the green. And that like, if you miss it, you're in like this weird fucking, cause you're not carrying that much speed. So you're just going to careen, not quite into the bunker, but you're going to get in that long shit and have a horrible stance but also, and then if, if there is somebody who's dialed, they're going to fucking dunk it like that's going to be sick. Yeah, yeah. Imagine just like even like a fucking like 62 yard par three, but there's like a trap in the back and it there's a false front or just like, I don't know, it'd just be really like interesting. Like, I'd love it. I'd fucking I love, love it. it. Yeah. All the one. Well, it seems like, again, for a lot of the pros, like the feel shot is a different element versus like if you give them 130 and they're like, yeah, cool. I'm going to swing a full swing 56. Like that's easy all day versus like, Oh, I've got to light this and I've got to take some off. And I think it's 
really interesting. It, it's fun. just every guy that plays to a number coming into these greens that lays back to 100 yards, like they're going to get fucking exposed. And I yeah. love that. Like yeah, it's when yeah. guys like Spieth or Cam Smith or these other guys just like, Bill, like getting crafty, it's like, oh, I know exactly how to hit 71 yards with this amount of spin, like against this side kind of, you know. DJ. Yeah. Say DJ. DJ <laughs> is very good at like intermediate wedge shots like that. I mean, Am I crazy? definitely he definitely worked hard on his game to get better at wedges when he was really thriving yeah. for a while there, but I wouldn't necessarily. We got to go through like 30 that, names before yeah. we can. I'm talking DJ. about an intermediate wedge. I'm not talking about creativity around the greens, but like no, an intermediate neither wedge. Neither am like that, I. Okay. <laughs> like I said, if, if JT YouTube was, videos. if JT was as a normal South, like green, yeah, like go for JT yeah. there. But yeah. yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Spieth, Phil, JT, Cam Smith. You said all of those first. I, just I, get... I, I will keep going with 15 more names before okay. I get the DJ. Excuse me. I've got to cancel my tailor-made YouTube subscription. I've watched <laughs> DJ call his yardage too many times on the range. That's Well, fair. dude, you may prove us wrong. He might fucking just be spot I'm on. Talking... I'm just on that hole. I'm not predicting him to do great. No, I, 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 I know here, that's here, what you're saying. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. Finally, something unique that probably other people haven't done in their podcast. We're <laughs> going to take DJ's week-long like, p- relation to par on 15. And okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that he will be over par for the week on that small par, par three. And Man, I'll take that wager. I'll do a five spot on it. Just, they just say, because it'd they be fun. say it can play from 75 yards to 124. Yeah, I love this. This is unique. I'm in. But yeah, I'm in. I, I I think every pro should play this hole under par, but I just just for the sake of just mm-hmm. proving a point about DJ, I'll take him over par for the week on that hole. Fair. And uh, how about even par is a wash? You get yeah. money if it's under yeah. par. I'll I get money if it's over par. par. Yeah, deal. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, so it sounds like we we all like the 15th hole. We like the idea yeah. of a real short, feely shot par three. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's something we don't get to see very often. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, do you think there's like, is this kind of the only type of way you can do a feely shot? Like, par three like can you do it on the longer end or is that still more of just like i'm gonna cover the front or i'm gonna hit it to the middle like you can like this short distance is kind of the only way you can kind of do this yeah i don't i don't like i don't know if it'd be the only way but it is the one hole where a lot of guys are getting up there and be like you need to be in you need to be three feet or less like that 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 is an interesting mentality for guys to have on a tee box that I think will be interesting because I think people will feel like they have to force it and get close and get bit in the ass. Like I, I think it's going to be sick. I really do. I'm, I'm glad that you were prefacing because I think everyone listening is probably assuming that you're going to talk about six, but like I'm most excited for 15. Um, and it, it, it's going to be a fun, if I was, at this venue, I said last at, at, at the PG, I'd be looping six and seven. 
at this venue, I'd have a lawn chair posted up at 15 and just watch these guys feather little wedges in there just like for at least two hours. Yeah. To answer your question too, Dave, I don't like the idea of like, okay, this is a par three, it's 172 yards, and we're requiring these dudes to hit a perfect eight iron. Like they have to land an eight iron within a one yard square. But there's something about like, can you flight a wedge? Can you hit a proper wedge from that distance that is more compelling? That Uh, wasn't really exactly what I was saying. The question I was asking is like, so this shot that we're talking about requires feel, right? They're they're being tested at a yardage that you generally don't have a full shot for. Yeah. There isn't really an equivalent to that when you get past a certain yardage, right? So like... If you're trying to implement that into golf courses, you essentially have to at least you have to design the hole to where they're required to hit a shot like that right. into the green, or it has to be a short par three with a interesting green complex. I and yeah. I, 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 I think. Go ahead. Go ahead, kid. I uh, I think if you want to unilaterally make it a field shot for the entire field, then that's obviously the only way you can do it because nobody hits their 60 degree less than, and it would only be for one of the days likely, but nobody on the tour hits their 60 degrees shorter at, at full than 70 yards. Like they're all hitting it further than 70 yards. So you have to bring in a field shot with the wedge. If it, they're going to that shortest distance, if they pu- push it out to a hundred yards, then like everyone could probably play a full 60 but very quickly, if you play too much spin, it could be bad for you. So you'll probably have a spin. You'll probably have a field shot with maybe a 56 or with a, a D lofted 60 a little bit for even the 100 numbers. So, yes, I think a short par three is likely the only thing that's going to unilaterally create a field shot for the majority of the field, if not everybody. But there's still plenty of field shots with any yardage par threes because tons of guys get caught between numbers and they got to play a choky six or like a, you know, a sawed off fucking seven or whatever, whatever the case may be like. Every hole could be a field shot for anybody. Yeah, I guess I'm more like when you're talking about like a choke down shot, those are more like you kind of have a feel like you have you have a stock feeling for that. I know I'm using the same word, but I don't know how how else to contextualize it. But with a short shot like this, you it's more about like how how you're addressing the ball and how much power you're putting into it as opposed to just one motion you're used to doing all the time whether that's a choke down six iron or whatever you know that club should go a yardage for when you choke down or whatever it may be uh, i mean at least a quarter of the field probably plays the clock approach to this where it isn't right. a feel it's like for 60 yards, I take my 60 degree and I go to nine o'clock and I nine follow through. Yeah. Like there's plenty of guys that take a, a that just straight dry tactical engineering approach to their game. I think the main thing is that it's just not the stock number. And that's going to be the, the main case for everybody. Sure, that's fair. Um, I don't really feel like blabbering six. I feel like I've been inundated from content about that drivable par yeah. four. It's possibly the best one that we're going to see on TV this year, but we don't need to belabor the fact that it's an ingenious right. drivable par four. That's yeah, going to be a fantastic great, to watch. It's a, gr- it's a great hole. Sick. Yeah. But yeah, whenever I was saying like a whole, you know, 15 is the hole for me that I think is the dopest. Yeah, I... 
I like 15 a lot too. I think it's going to be um, a great hole. I, I don't want to undersell some of the really cool, fascinating par fours. Like I like, I think number three is going to be sweet. I like it a lot. I think, uh, you know, another par three that I think is going to be cool is number four. I think number four is going to be a cool par three. Um, I think this course has five par threes, doesn't it? I mean, number yes. four is a yeah. hell of a fucking par three. It's a long body. Yeah, I it plays it plays downhill, significantly though. downhill. Yeah. And I think the prevailing wind is also down that hole as well. Like there was that clip going around of Gordon Sargent playing a three iron from two eighty or whatever onto that onto that green. And they said the effective like distance change on it was like like two forty five or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is obviously still an extremely long par par three, but um two ninety. Yeah. And also uh I mean, I would number number four. Number four is two twenty eight par three. I think it's number. Isn't it number seven? That's the super long par three. No, it was eleven. Oh, yeah, that's the hole I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. Yeah, number seven is the two hundred and eighty four yard par three. I like number four. I was uh, I was thinking number four was number seven. My bad. All good. But But number four. No, number four is a sick par three. I know what par three you're talking about now, but yeah, that's a great hole. But yeah, I was talking, I was thinking about fucking hole seven, which is just a beast of a par three. <laughs> number eight, the par five after it's going to be really sick too. That kind of snaking par five. I think you have to place a tee shot perfectly to be able to really go for that thing in two um, without there being kind of tree trouble, unless you're someone like fucking Hobby that can just launch a fucking three wood. <laughs> Yeah, and there's tree trouble trouble with the uh, ravine or whatever they call it. Um, Barranca. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, eight, eight is sick for sure. But yeah, I mean. Oh, well, number number 11 is another par, long par three two, Ryan, that you're speaking to. Yeah. 290, that's the one that plays significantly downhill. That's the one that Gordon Sargent hit the three iron on was number iron. 11. Yeah. But that one, like, I feel like number seven is more like more. It does play truer to the long number. It just has such a open area front of the green that like running things up is a lot more feasible than number 11 that like you have to play it off of that that side hill on the left. Lots of long par threes on this course. And I I know lots of people have talked about how there's a lot of par three and a half and lots of half par holes out here. Yeah. And I yep. think that's yeah. gonna that's gonna add to it, and I think that's what make this makes this course unique. Um, that's why, yeah, that's why pe- you know people have been saying there's gonna be a lot of birdies, but at the same time, there's gonna be a lot of bogeys. bogeys that feel like they should be pars. But it comes back to like it's funny how much like a bogey could rattle somebody because like you measure yourself on the leaderboard in relative to par, and that's how they think of like momentum and going through certain things. But at the end of the day, like who who cares? Like if it's playing above par, then like a bogey's fine there it's it's probably the, it's probably neutral against the field but how many people are actually affected by that that mindset of being re- you know related to par um and and who kind of thrives on it and who doesn't so, so a lot of times sorry dave um the, this event gets criticized as being like the they want an even par to be the winning round do y'all think this course 
lends itself to that? Do you think we get a substantially below par winner? Do you think it hangs so in that? I was going to ask a similar question as we're getting to the end of a po- the podcast and we're trying to wrap things up. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask what you, what you think the winning score is going to be at this course compared to other other uh, U.S. Opens. Like, do you do you think it's going to be around the similar? Or what what do you think the or a, a rough guess of what you think the winning score is going to be? It's it's hard to say. Obviously, it's never super easy. I feel like I have better chances at predicting the scores relative to the par. Previous U.S. Opens, I think because there are probably so many birdies out there that feel like we could get a relatively low scoring U.S. Open. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that minus 10 wins it. My inclination was like in the six to eight range, so I'm not. I think if it's someone who's not Brooks, it's like I I feel like it's going to be minus 10 if it's not Brooks winning. I think if it's Brooks winning, they somehow found a way to make it really hard, and he wins it with like minus eight or minus seven. To your point, Ryan, but I feel like if it's not, if it's not Brooks winning, I feel like it's minus ten. Fair, interesting, but fair. If it's Rory winning, it's like minus eighteen, which is sick. I'm in. I'd watch that. Kidding, but not really, really kidding. I need him to win. (laughs) But so I. I think it is a unique U.S. Open um, venue. Um, I think I land at a minus seven, a minus eight, um, because in my head, and this is just my rational rationale, is that if you shoot minus two all four rounds, that I think you're going to be really in this fucking thing. That's exactly how I came to my six to eight, was that minus two would be a great day. Yeah. Great doesn't uh, win it though. Phenomenal wins it. And minus 10 is phenomenal. There you go. That's your exact yeah, right. I, I I uh I can't remember exactly what uh, Maddie Fitz won last year's US Open at. I think it was I if I, I I believe it was minus seven. I could be wrong there. Minus seven or minus eight. Minus as well. six. Minus, minus six. six. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're they're hovering right around that area as opposed to like what you alluded to earlier, Ryan, uh, about like trying to keep it more towards like even par, which is the yeah. Shinnecock uh, extravaganza situation. So uh, I think, yeah, I think anywhere, I think anywhere b- between minus six and minus 10 is going to be where the, w- the winning score is. Um, but yeah, I'll put my money on minus eight for the, for, for the tournament. Yeah. Like 20, 2019, sense. the one that Gary Woodland won at Pebble was minus two. Wingfoot was also minus two. I'm sorry, my, was minus three. Um, and then uh, Tory with Ron Rom was minus four. And then Fitzy minus six. So it's it seems to be trending up. And I blame I blame the ball. Roll the ball back, USGA. Roll <laughs> it back for your championship only. There you go. I would argue that it was courses, course setup, and courses for, for that. But uh, Dave, I, I'm obviously talking tongue in cheek here. They've played the I same know. ball relatively for the last five years. <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
on a on a on a last note, unless y'all have anything else to talk about, we generally do some dark horse picks. Um, is there any dark horses that you guys are thinking about? People we might not have mentioned. I definitely have a name in mind that I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, we start with your. It better not be like a fake dark horse. Like people love doing. Like I got a dark horse. His name is Sam Burns. Like. <laughs> Like plus six thousand. <laughs> Dave is well, like, all right, not Sam Burns. Well, uh, it wasn't going to be Sam Burns, but it, this guy could very well fall into that category, especially as of lately. Um, it's one J day for me. I think the odds are pretty good for him. Plus thirty five hundred. That's not a dark horse. I didn't know what his odds are at, but we haven't mentioned him once. Um, I think the course fits pretty well for him. I can, uh, we can, we can loop back. We can loop back to me if you want to give out an odds guy, like an odds it has to be over. I would just like to say that your actual pick was a darker horse than that. <laughs> yeah, Ricky has worse Ricky odds. Is way worse odds. <laughs> so um, he doesn't on the sports book I'm looking at. To be fair. Uh, he uh, J Day is uh, sixty to one, and Ricky is fifty to one on what I what I have. Where the what? I wonder if something's new. You, you know where I'm yesterday. looking at. I know minor from yesterday, but J Day's at plus thirty six hundred. So that's wild. Mine was refreshed like a few minutes ago. So I just wonder if like there's been some news with J Day or. He just chose not to do practice rounds again. Um, so yeah, I was I was thinking in that sixty to one seventy one range as a dark horse, but I mean, yeah. I can I can definitely come back if you want. No, I I've got mm-hmm. I've got one dark horse who's an actual dark horse. I've got two Fire. lined up. If after go away, if, if yeah, they both have Who? Me or Dave? You. Go ahead. I already said some from someone. Uh, I like Eric Cole. Played well at the RBC. Yeah, and his game is relatively strong in all the metrics I think matter here. The area where he loses a little bit is off the tee, and it's likely because his, his drive is a little bit squirrely, and I think that's okay here for the most part because the rough isn't that penal, and the fairways are relatively wide. Um, I... I I like him here, um, and I think his game is is trending. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a couple of top five, top ten finishes this year. Um, I don't think people really talk about him too much. He got a top 20 at the PGA. Uh, he didn't play in the Masters. I, I like Garrett Cole as a dark horse. I think he's a great pick for like okay. a, a, a top 20. There you go. Dave, who did you have? Um, go for it real quick because I kid went way down there, so I feel like I need to go kind of down there. Yeah, what the they had two dark horses there probably once again like plus six thousand. Like, I don't have man. I'll be super honest. Um, anybody that I pull from down here is just gonna be made up. Um, I don't have a ton of takes. I'll go with a. I don't know the, the hoagie because he's on my fantasy team. He's gonna hoagie roll his way in there. I that's way darker of a dark horse than I was thinking of. Um, 
Who who are you looking at, Dave? Um, I I don't know if it's going to be considered a dark horse, but uh, Sahith, uh, I yeah, think at I like eighty that. to one is a good one, and then if we're going way down, Justin Saw at two hundred to one, I think is a good one. I heard, yeah, I I've heard other people talk about him. I felt like I was. Still, yeah, I don't Ju- hate Justin, Gary Justin, it. Justin is, a, is plenty dark. I think that's a, yeah. a a good dark horse there. Um, I don't hate that pick. Gary Woodland, your 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 boy, your boy Chris, your boy's Chris Kirk, one twenty five to one fifty. Yeah, I thought about him too. I have him at three hundred to one. Jesus, take that. JT Poston, JT Poston, not too, not too bad there as well. I think he could, you know, clock himself a top twenty. What about Abe Answer? I have him at three hundred and fifty to one. His game has been horrible, hasn't it? I have no idea. Yeah, I just know that he he seems like it. If he's getting those kind of odds, seriously though, Gary Woodland at plus fifteen thousand on a flyer, I don't hate. Won a U.S. Open before. It makes sense that you don't hate that. <laughs> yeah, I might have a bias. But right on, boys. It's you know, it's been a hell of a podcast. Do y'all have any yeah. uh, any closing notes about the uh, U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Country Club that we uh, want to touch on at all? It took way too long to get here. Uh, hopefully we're back here soon. I'd like to see it just replace Pebble on the Rota for the most part. I think it's the better California course. Um, I would agree there. I mean, we'll see after this week, but I I, I'm, I think it's a far more interesting test than Pebble. Um, fuck Pebble. <laughs> That's one way to close this out. I'm fired yeah. up for another major. It should be fun to to watch some good golf, and hopefully we get an exciting winner. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with Kid. Uh, fuck Pebble. Oh, fuck Pe- yeah, there it is. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll catch you guys uh, on the next one. Thanks for listening. We'll most likely do a recap of the U.S. Open, and uh, we'll catch. Spieth you. raising his fourth major trophy, or maybe <laughs> Rick getting his first. A. It's gonna be the chef. <laughs> yeah, it's probably gonna be the chef. <laughs> <laughs>